Here we are again for another Tuesday Night Live, and I'll hand you over to our wonderful host, Peter J. How are you going, Pete? Uh, thanks very much, Phoenix. A very nice intro there. Much appreciated. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Adelaide Bigfooty Crowcast for another Tuesday Night Live. Great to have you all along. We're uh, happy to have with us tonight uh, our regular panellists in Nikki and Macca. How are you tonight, guys? Very good, thank you. Could be better. Yeah, I heard you had a bit of a cold there, Nikki. so uh, stay with us and hope uh, you can get yourself through. I'm sure you will. I'm sure you'll, you'll battle through. And a few things to talk about tonight. And uh, no, unfortunately, no uh, star footballers to interview, but that's okay. We've got star panellists to talk to you all about uh, some of the issues and make sure you get on and give us some messages. And if there's anything you want to talk to us about, then uh, go for it and give us some uh, feedback or give us any questions or any issues you want us to discuss and we'll... Uh, We'll monitor your comments and uh, bring them up and have a chat about for the uh, for you. All right, uh, looking back at the uh, the weekend, what are the uh, the topics that have uh, that have grabbed everybody? Oh, poor Geelong! We're so upset for them, aren't we? Not really. No, not really. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't. It was sarcastic. A, Come on. It was a very very exciting uh, game of footy. I was out Saturday night, but uh, got home and watched the replay, and gee, it was a really really exciting. Last quarter, it was one of the best quarters of that last quarter. I reckon it was one of the best quarters of football I've seen this year. Yeah, look, one another interesting uh, aside to that is the fact that um, it also partly explains Port Adelaide woes, in my opinion, because he's as a coach, he's doing a very good job with St Kilda. That's a very, think- very interesting point you make, Macker. There's no question. That they miss Richo, and there's been a lot of talk about the fact that uh, um, Walsh haven't left as well, and that that is at the heart of the problems at Port Adelaide. But we can certainly see with St Kilda what a great job that uh, Alan Richardson's doing, and uh, he seems to certainly have all of those kids on on point and uh, uh, working in the same direction. Sprinkling of some older players, uh, but generally speaking, a young side that they've done a really good job uh, rebuilding, and uh, they are going to be right around the mark in the next couple of years. Well, he also uh, gave the rest of the competition a bit of an insight into what makes Geelong tick and basically shut down their two prime movers and they're vulnerable. Yeah, look, absolutely, Phoenix. There's no doubt that uh, we got a good look at uh, at what makes Geelong tick. It's very um, hard, though, to work out what's, what goes on between their ears and, you know, there's been a lot said about the fact that they've lost those uh, those three games to lower teams. Very hard to know what goes on uh, between their ears. Um, interesting that all three of those was it all three of those games that Eddie had, they've lost, it might just be one or two because there might have been one at the end of Jeddy Collingwood. But uh, very, very interesting as to why <clears throat> they can't seem to get themselves up for those games. Um, I'm just not sure what it is. But no doubt that uh, you take out the, uh, the two Hollywood types and uh, you're a long way to, to doing them, I think. Yeah, I think Phoenix really did make, uh, raise a very good point there um, because the guy that tagged him, uh, he actually did very, very well and uh, watching Danger's Disposal was very, very ordinary, I thought. Yeah, yeah. He, under pressure, he was turning it over quite a bit. I didn't see his stats or his clanger numbers or or anything like that, but just from watching the, the little bits and pieces that I have, um, he uh, didn't seem at all polished under pressure. Um, so, And even perceived pressure towards the end, Macca, even when he was clear, he was uh, rushing his kicks. Very much similar with the, to the how he react, reacted that time when uh, Bernie Vinston was doing the, a number on him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and that, that game down at Geelong a couple of years ago. and who Was it Guthrie that tagged him? I can't remember who it was yeah, now. I think it was, I think it was Guthrie. It yeah, was Guthrie, just, yeah. Just harassed him and just really, really nailed him. All, you know, all day was just just on him, and um, yeah, he doesn't like it. Well, and we saw that with the knee to the head. Yeah, I look. Oh, I can't no, that believe that was accidental. Oh, bullshit! No, was. that wasn't accidental. He meant it. No, he didn't. But it was minor. No, he didn't. Mean oh, yeah, it. The he guy, did. No, he didn't. The guy he grabbed was pushing his. Him. The guy grabbed his leg. Danger's trying to get his leg free. The the guy's grip slipped and Danger's leg came free, and his knee made contact with the head. There was nothing intentional about that whatsoever. Well, nothing I the, at all. I hope you're the judge if I'm ever charged with a crime. No, it, 
You'd get off every time on that one, Maka. Right? There was no malice in what that. If you can actually see it when when they do the close up, you can see his grip slip, and you know what it's like when someone's pulling your arm or something, and then they let go. There's a there's a sudden jolting movement. Well, that is exactly what happened. The the grip slipped and the knee came up. That's exactly how it happened. Uh, all I can say it was, um, yeah, sure, might have slipped, but then there was a. I think a positive reaction in the sense of uh, the knee heading towards the head and give me give me a quick sharp wrap in the head. I would have done the same, but you know I still think that um, he did it deliberately. Mm. The other um... he he was ta- to me it was he was taking the chance to have a bit of a a go at a Saints player whilst he could. Well, I'm glad you guys aren't on my jury because uh, I didn't see it that way at all. Vardy on the chat reckons. Uh, Seventy-two percent disposal efficiency, three clangers. Well, uh, yeah, that's interesting. He must have had a lot of uh, short handballs because I'd like to. I would have liked to have seen his actual kicking efficiency um, stat versus his overall disposal efficiency. Um, yeah, because I certainly saw a few uh, that that were wider the mark. That's what other, I um, that's right, Pete. But that's what I was referring to. His kicking efficiency was well down. He, he kicked some real scrubbers. The other really good news story I thought across the weekend was the Gold Coast Suns. I was really uh, impressed with them. And I know that they lost and might not uh, seem like a good news story on its face, but I thought for the first time we saw the Gold Coast Suns getting um, or had over the last couple of two or three weeks have actually got a number of their players back and they started to actually look like the side that started the season. They've had an absolutely wretched run with injury and suspension, they've had a ridiculous amount of players out, and uh, I was very, very happy to see them play and happy to see the uh, some of their star players getting back into a little bit of form. And you know, they pushed Hawthorne for probably three and a half quarters down in Tasmania. It's no mean feat, and uh, I'm sure a lot of people were expecting a much um, bigger result for the Hawks. But I think it goes to show that um, you know, coaches can stand up there and say, "Look, injuries, you know, it, it doesn't matter." But we all know that it does, and um, I think that they. Um, I've got a good feeling that they will no longer be easy beats for the rest of the season. I think that they will just take two or three weeks to get themselves up to form. I expect them to beat St Kilda this week up there in the Gold Coast, and I think that they will be a much sturdier opposition than what we've seen in the first half of the year. Yeah, I think well, they'll be tough at home, that's for sure. And they've got a hit the really, really gun forward in Tom Lynch. I mean, I love our Tom Lynch, but she'd have loved to have theirs as well. I think any club. Would love to have that Tom Lynch. It's interesting also, that um, Carey on last night um, reckon, rated Hogan still above Tom Lynch and said that Tom Lynch didn't look a natural footballer. Well, shit, I know. I, he was taking some of those contested grabs pretty naturally. I, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's absolute bullshit. Of course, he's a you know he's, yeah. he's an outstanding player, and, and you know Hogan's still developing. Lynch is there. Um, but you know, not just Lynch, but which a lot of people, who a lot of people talk about. But you know, also um, guys around the ball like um, Ablett, uh, Mitch Hallahan, um, a few other guys like that. Then uh, May in defence and Thompson in defence, and just you know, guys that have been out for a few weeks that just make a huge difference to their side. Yep, they yeah, might that... take a scalp or two before the end of the season. And other it's not ours. <laughs> That's all right. We don't have them again, but they do have port again, so that'll be good. Is this the bloody news segment? Because if it is, <laughs> I've got all this mu- music bloody queued up and all this sort of crap, Pete, and it's just you've just burnt me. Sorry, mate. No, you go, <laughs> go for what you want. Sorry. I'm happy for Peter to take over the news because I don't want to talk too much tonight. All right. Well, let's Sorry, introduce... Go, go, go Nicky. Let, let's introduce Peter with Peter's News. Hang on. Oh, I feel better now. You feel better because uh, I'm, I'm rooted now because uh, there's no, I've got no, I'm just not a new person's bum. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, Vicky, what news have we got? I was Sorry. Well, uh, the only thing I've kind of found of interest, besides the fact that all of the coaches, apart from any of them who are based interstate, are all having dinner at Gill's house tonight, and a certain Scott brother turned up with uh, 
a very nice box bottle of wine or something. <laughs> it's like, yeah, dude, we see what you're doing there. Um, was actually that Mason Wood wasn't cited for that or even really looked at for the, the tackle on um, Luke Brown. Oh, it shouldn't have been either. It was, he had both his arms pinned, though, and that's what they said they were going to clamp down on, and it did daze Brownie for a little while. Uh, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, look, um, I, I, At the very I, start of the first quarter. Yeah, I remember it. Um, I think the only thing that uh, probably just let it slip by was the fact that it was in the format of what they didn't want, but uh, Brownie was not too bad afterwards, and he, uh, and he did play on the whole game. Also, there wasn't two um, motions. They don't like it when someone tackles and then the, in, in a second motion then slings them. It seemed to be all in the one action. Good point, um, Phoenix, yeah. And there was a little bit of incidental head-to-ground contact. Um, but, geez, I mean, we might as well rule out the bloody tackle if we're going to start uh, penalising those, I think. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, actually, because... Uh, it, when I played, my natural reaction, because I was, I was a rover and you're often tackling ruckman, was to you use their momentum and you sling them to down uh, sideways down the ground. Yeah. And yeah. and you can't avoid that sort of contact. No. Uh, look, I mean, you know, uh, theoretically, technically, probably you're right, Nick. There was head-to-ground contact and it did leave Brownie days for a little moment. Um but I, I think the key to the sling tackle in terms of penalties is that second motion, is that two, that intent to drive someone into the ground rather than just bring them to ground in the tackle. And um, they have and, made that clear, yeah. Yeah, and sometimes that's unavoidable. And the other thing, the big news, was Port trying to um, be the big news story and basically making most of us laugh with their China with their board meeting held over there, the fact that they flew over Ruchi to be part of this, and then the laughable photos we got out of the stadium that's maybe played in next year, I'm pretty certain this game is not going to go ahead. Well, my only criticism about the whole thing was they did take Ruchi over there, but the bastards paid to bring him back again. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least Chapman managed to put a pie in his face, though. Should have bloody kept him on going to Italy, and he could start his summer holiday a bit uh, a bit early. I tell you what, the fifty thousand they got was an absolute outrage. So I was oh. appalled, absolutely appalled, that the government could give them fifty thousand dollars. When I mean, you know, we, we've all heard on the radio, I'm sure, and TV, and you know, um, the various uh, places that that money could have gone, and um, uh, you know, I just think that. You know, Keith Thomas, hang your head in shame. Absolutely appalling behaviour, really. Yeah, look, yeah, putting it very bluntly, that, that is just pissing $50,000 uh, down the drain, isn't it? Yep, yep. Um, Disgraceful. It just doesn't uh, It Vardy, just doesn't make any sense. Just quickly, Vardy Magic wants me to explain about the pie in the face. So there is the ultimate pie challenge for the Childhood Cancer Association, which... Um, People might have seen the start of the year where our whole team lined up and basically um, did a little pie in the face. So over the weekend, um, I think it was Rob Chapman got together with Michelangelo Rucci as part of this and Chapman got to absolutely slap pie in his face. That's the most substance that Rucci has got out of the club all season. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, true. Why isn't Rucci sniffing around the story that, you know, that a state government minister who's a member of Port Power, just siphons off $50,000 and just gives it to the club. I mean, who well, signs off on that? He'd be yeah, all over that's... it if it was the Crows. Well and truly. But for me, the, the issue with that is they're saying, well, it's uh, we're giving this money to them because um, they missed part of the game, et cetera, whatever. Well, Port didn't miss the game. Their members did. So why isn't that money then actually going to the members who missed it? Because they pay for it out of their ticket. Um, and then, we get and then, an allocation on top of our season ticket to pay for this free transport, which isn't actually free. We get the levy. It's just ridiculous. And then they shifted again. They shifted their position again because you're quite right. 
you know, it was it was it was compensation due to the members. It goes to the club under the under the guise of, it, of being compensation for the trains being late. But then, when they're called out on it, suddenly the position changes, and suddenly it's money to put on a show because the game's going into China. It's multicultural bloody round or something, and the game's going to China. So the fifty thousand dollars is actually to support. Uh, you know, a, a pre-game show that goes into China. So they changed that. They actually, they changed their position on what they gave them the money for entirely. It's a very interesting study on who does what at a football club because you could argue that part of Koshi's um, charter is to make the club financially successful and, you know, arguably he's um, doing things uh, to fulfil that purpose whether whether you agree with them or not is neither here nor there but on the other hand then who is accountable who is the general football manager or football manager operations or whatever down at Port Adelaide who is overseeing things like list management um, you know the coaching staff appointments that sort of thing um, because no one over there at Port Adelaide at the moment seems to be being held accountable for on-field performance and we're led to believe that Port Adelaide exists to win premierships well like there's there doesn't seem to be any impetus uh within that club at the moment to win games of football well that's a good point if I was on the board there at Port Adelaide um I would be calling a review of all coaching positions at the end of the year because to you know they they did lose some very good people in Richardson and, and Walsh but I what they replace it with uh, hasn't come up to the calibre of what left. And uh, I think that's one of the major factors in their disappointing last couple of years. The, the, Port well, Power Fran- the Port Power franchise is so far removed from what the, the original Port Adelaide Football Club, you know, the Magpies represented and stood for. There is absolutely no relationship between those two organisations whatsoever um, Port Power is just is a franchise that's being flogged overseas, um, and it's just uh, you know it, it, I reckon Koshi's just trying to make it some kind of little you know cash cow sort of or you know entree into the Chinese market to assist his own personal gain because it has absolutely no relationship. It bears no relationship with the Port Magpies of the SNFL days, and to call no. them to call them one club is absolutely absurd. Well, you can see that some died in the wall Magpies supporters are, are, are dropping off because they can't re- they can't associate with the club or that relate to the club for the reasons that you put forward, Pete. And not only that, when Port Adelaide put their proposal together back in you know ninety or eighty nine or whatever it was, it was sold to the members as Port Adelaide Magpies entering the AFL. Now, if I was a Port Adelaide member twenty years on. I'd be feeling mighty pissed off because I've been sold a red herring. Well, another thing they've oh. been sorry. Uh, another thing they've been sold is a a bit of a lie by Kenny, who stared down the camera, almost going cross-eyed, uh, saying that we will never ever give up. And you know, I'll probably reckon within twenty four hours after saying that they've got out and played, and they have. And well, they like uh, their mantras, don't they? Uh, yeah, I mean, they have that bloody creed and all that other crap. Um, just play football and win. That's what you're supposed to do. Anyway, well, what, what else I was going to say. Oh, go on, Nick. Well, just, just just quickly is that my dad was one of those died-in-the-wall magpie supporters. He vehemently objected to the way Port Adelaide went about it, and he refused to support the power um, with what happened once they did come in. Because he'd been a Crow supporter, he wasn't going to switch. He then remained an SA for um, a Magpies supporter, but once the Magpies became the um, power reserves, no, nah, he's no longer. He's lost his SNFL team's gone. They don't exist anymore, as far as he's concerned. And there's there's a couple of others. I know there's a, a few other Magpies, original Magpies supporters around who are just like that. Oh, yeah, there'd be thousands, Nikki. There would be thousands. Yeah, they sold their but soul to enter the AFL. Anyway, let's move on. So the other big um, talking point, which I found quite interesting, is that, and I think the media are probably focusing on the wrong angle of it, is to do with the actual Magpies who play in the AFL, was, is regarding his cloak going to get dropped again because um, Darcy Moore's now available. And they're saying, well, 
you can't have all those guys playing together in that one forward line. And I'm going, um, have you guys looked at the most potent forward line in the AFL at the moment that everybody talks about being the most potent forward line in the AFL that have quite a few tall players in it in oh, Adelaide? Not like, so why not can't like it them, work though. for Collingwood? No, nah, not Well, they actually got... refer – interesting, they, Buckley has referred to Jesse White as playing a medium to a small role. Jesse White's playing a useless insane. role. Yeah, well, that too. Uh, surely surely Jesse play. White comes out for Darcy Moore. No, they seem to. It seems to like um, mm. Jesse White more than Cloak. Yeah, he, he sort of praised Jesse White up, you know, so he very easily pleased in that sense. Well, they've got Mason Cox there who's, you know, only only just an AFL footballer. Uh, like, I mean, Cloak and Moore and Cox are three of the same player, Nick. We haven't got one of the same player. Yeah. In our forward line. And that, I think that's the key difference. Yes, we've got tools and smalls, but each of our tools plays differently, whereas those blokes are just marking forwards. You know, I mean, Cloak barely is that. Although, you know, I, I think they're doing Cloak a disservice if they pick him for a game and then drop him, then pick him for a game and then and drop, drop him, him again. Silly. No, for, where, where I'm coming from here is that it's, yes, they are kind of similar, so why aren't they coaching them differently? Why aren't they teaching them different roles? Why aren't they actually working out how they can actually get them to work together? There's coaching issues there that nobody's picking up on, really. Oh. You're, talking about, you're talking about Buckley. I think the whole world knows he's yeah. no good. No, but he, I, he's no good. I also think, though, that you, you coach to players' strengths. I mean, you, again, you look at our tools. No they one coach, No one coached Jenkins to play small. You know, I mean, you can only coach a guy based on his strengths. And if you've got, you know, Cox, uh, Darcy Moore and Travis Cloak, you're not going to teach any of those blokes to play like a JJ, for example. They've got they've got their physical attributes and their strengths and weaknesses. And that's why you have various players on your list. They've got too many of the one player, obviously, uh, in their forward line. Um and as it stands, you know, Cloakie seems the one that's going to drop out because he's just so sadly out of form and confidence. But I don't think they've managed him terribly well either. Um, sorry, can I just... No segue, I know. Yeah. Um, just a bit of news that I just wanted to get in there that uh, uh, really, really appealed to me today, uh, just in regards to our own team. Um, the AFL Team of the Week, which uh, had the three Rorys... <laughs> How yes. bloody good was that? The three Rorys in the AFL Team of the Week this week. I thought that was a brilliant bit of news for us. Well, you know, it, it's remarkable. You've got three Rorys in the one team for a start, but then to have there's the only ball, five. Yeah, and then then to make the the whole three of them to make the uh, the Team of the Week. That's that's astonishing, really. Well, they it could have been it. could have been uh, pretty astounding because we had the three Rorys. Um, we obviously had two nominees for Mark of the Week this week, and had. Uh, rats goal being allowed, we would have had a contender for goal of the week as well. So not a, not a bad night's work, really. It was very nice. It was interesting. I heard uh, Rory Atkins on radio. I think it was Monday or Tuesday night, and um, he uh, he said quite categorically that the ball was touched and that uh, he did try and get away with one there, but uh, they uh, they picked it up. So uh, no issues from the rat on that uh, on that decision. No, not from me either. You could tell when they sh- uh, play showed the replay. Uh, that finger bent backwards, so you could see that it really was touch. But oh, I wasn't too, yeah. And but I wasn't too happy about the other two because um, the the uh, actual camera work to show that that finger went back was quite good. It was very clear that you could see that. I mean, um, the ones that were went against us, the other two, uh, they just didn't have the right angles. They didn't have, and I'm, they must have had video from other angles. Yet they kept looking at it from angles that were incon- inconclusive all the time. I, I was, I was re- very annoyed the way they handled those two. The problem, the problem is Macca that um, because of the types of cameras that they use for those um, reviews, they're not like the high def, super slow mo cameras that the coverage uses. So. You've got frame rate issues. So if you don't catch the the moment at the right point in the frame transition, you're going to get a blurry shot. What they need to do is have high-def, super slow-mo cameras in those review situations. Yeah, it's more expense. But then you're going to be able to get those um, reviews that are that are very clear because you've, you've got a much higher frame rate 
um, to work with, so you're not going to get that blurriness. But, I mean, they don't even want to install decent goal line, um, uh, goal line cameras, so the chances of us getting decent super slow-mo cameras on those review cameras is probably, you know, next to nothing. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand that at all because I think I also read that they do have the appropriate cameras at one end of the ground but not at the other. It probably depends on where the where the TV coverage is um, placing their cameras. I'm not quite sure, but you can tell quite clearly that when they, you know how they step it forward, you've noticed that they step it forward and backwards? Yep, yep. Between each step is completely blurry, and if you notice the 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 amount of movement between each step, it's quite considerable when you're talking a matter of, you know, inches. So they just need a, a, a camera that will give them a higher frame rate, um, and they're obviously not using them or not using them everywhere. Well, that's a very good, intro- good point. It's a good point you raise there. Well, funnily enough, 38.9% of the vote for the Cockwombling Numna of the Week actually was regarding the AFL review system. My issue with it, though, is that if, and, and this was raised on the board, if somebody had actually marked that ball in the goal square, the umpire didn't call touched. The players might have said it immediately, which the North players did do so. But the mark probably would have stood. Yeah, would have. It would have. And that's so you, a really so good point. So you've got a, dub, a double standard. If it's you really were going to do it for goals, you need to do it for um, marking situations and those kind of things as well. And we can't stop our game. I don't actually know when the whole touch situation crept into the review system because as far as I was concerned, the the, the review system was there for on-the-line decisions, you know, whether it was touched before the line or whether it nicked the post. So why they started using it for to see whether the ball was touched or not, I think it, it just crept in because they knew that the umpires would be embarrassed uh, or the game would be embarrassed if they missed an obvious touched off the boot when the replays showed that it was clearly touched, so they felt compelled to do it. I, I don't actually think they should be adjudicating on those. I think it should be purely goal no. line and goal post and related. That's it. Yep, absolutely. Although can, I we... just say that, can I just say that um, as somebody who went large, and I mean large on Adelaide 1-39, to I thought the game was beautifully umpired. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that the... Uh, you were quite happy with their, their goal kicking. Was, Absolutely perfect, and a uh, a thirty three point win was uh, just about perfect. And um, as somebody that had to sit there and watch all of those behinds in the last quarter, <laughs> I just I, I was just tearing chunks of hair four goals <laughs> out of 10, my head. <laughs> and four goals ten was an absolutely beautiful thing. <laughs> oh man, that that cheer for when we hit a hundred points! <laughs> I've never heard a cheer for a point so loud before in my life, considering we're also a bit down on the crowd. But that was just so funny. Um, and just, just another little bit of news on uh, our club. Uh, did you hear uh, David McKay on the Five uh, AA tonight? No. Can yeah, share. He, he was. Oh, he was on after just after half past five, and. Uh, um, well, they even uh, in in their interview said to him, you know, you've been a bit of a whipping boy over the years, uh, but you're having a very good year and certainly justifying your place in the side and uh, doing what you're being asked to do. I gather it wasn't the same quality as his earlier interview this year, Maka. Refresh my memory on that one. With us. Well, with us, mate. Come on now. Oh no! Actually, <laughs> I, to be honest, I didn't hear that interview. <gasps> you oh. need to listen to it. It's good. Right, I know. You're you're do we need to kick him out? Yes, you you're out. <laughs> uh, whip me, built me, but I didn't, I didn't hear it. <laughs> no, it was actually really good to, um, talking to him. And I did wonder if the, the club was kind of, that was po- possibly one of the reasons why we had him as our first interview for the year because he is very contentious <laughs> on the board. Well, he remains... Far and away, our most listened to podcast. We've had over 750 listens. Nelly, now that we've put them in a little boxed up set on the Spreaker website, DMAX just about up to 800 listens. Where and the next nearest that's amazing. Is, yeah, the next nearest is about 550. Um, that's Jared Lyons. 
that's Jared Lyons. Yeah, I think finally Jake Lever has overtaken American Crow. Thank God, we'd never hear the end of it. <laughs> they, they win the bloody NBA, and he wins the 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 bloody uh, the ratings over two Crows players. We would never hear that. Hear the end of that. Um, but yeah, DMAC, you know, about 200, 250 listens above everyone else. Yeah, and quite, quite interesting that. Yeah, the point I was going to make there, Bickley, who coached him at the uh, Adelaide Football Club, um, sort of virtually said that he had that uh, the brilliant year in two, uh, by his own standards, brilliant year in two thousand and nine, which is his breakout year, but has been a little bit disappointing in between. Uh, but this year is starting to show some of what he did in two thousand and nine. And I think we did touch on that when we interviewed him because of the um, Paddy, uh, Paddy Steinfurt, what he put in the book was regarding David was needing that structure around him and that's how they knew he performed best. And I think the, the way we're playing very much, there's structures and there's roles and that's allowing him to play, um, yeah, bring, bring out the best in David. I still think he comes out for Seedsman though. But David, did, did, yeah. did, he did support what you just said, Nicky. Any other news yes, from around the place? Yes, I actually thought he was he was decent on the weekend. Um, Frito did we really a, care? Frito got a grand for gut punching Mitch. Yeah, um, um, that was the only that was the only report. Yeah, yeah one I was raised a little bit on uh, Sunday is about the the Hurley situation. You know whether we should be going hard for him or not. <laughs> Oh, okay. So Peter and Kane. <laughs> okay, no, I'm going to get in first, Peter, because you and Kane are both wrong. Because you're both arguing, so they're they're having a nice little argument on the board as to whether we, if there's the option of Hurley being available, do we go for him? Do we not? Where does he fit in with our team? And I think where you're both coming from, wrong-headed in terms of your arguments, is that you're thinking as if we're going to have every single player available all the time. We're not. That's a fair, that's a, fair, that's a reasonable assumption. You have to, like we have at the moment. So, you, I mean, you have to sort of yeah, go in there and insane. say, right, well, okay. I mean, it's not just a case of, of depth. And obviously, you know, it's good if you've got that bit more depth. But I think it's reasonable to start the argument from a point of view of, look, you know, if we're all fully fit, if everyone's on deck, how do we line up? Well, yeah, I'm... and that, that's not too bad. But the fact is the continuing argument that is occurring is not taking into account on either side the fact of that's not going to be, happen. Well, I can assure it, you we're, there we're is right, going to have changes. We're right into chasing. I can assure you that. Well, but it's, but it's happening now. I mean, we've got, um, you know, our only, inj- our only two injuries are Knight, what, Knight and Hampton. So, I mean, it is happening now. So, if you know, if he was – if we had him – you know, this year, we're going to use 27 players. If we had him this year, it would be an absolutely real live issue. Um, yeah. You've also forgotten Shaw and Menzel isn't fit and have, having the concussion issues as well. So there's a couple there. I, look, I, I, take what, I take what you're saying and that is and that, and that, is that yes, um, good from the point of view of having even further tall position player depth um, yep, absolutely tick that off. But I think that when you're having the argument, you, you need to actually say, right, what is, you know, what is our best 22? And if all of our best players are available, then how does that, I think it's reasonable that you have that argument, that you, that you say, right, well, how, how does he fit in to our best 22? And, and as I've said, my position is and remains that there is, I mean, talk of, I just can't, I, you know, it just seems ridiculous and lazy thinking to me that just because you trade in a, you know, key position defender, you automatically, that automatically means that you trade out a key position defender. So that, you know, this assumption that because you trade in Hurley, that you trade out Hardigan. I mean, it's just lazy, lazy You'd never do it. See, the fact is Hardigan was actually considered to be better than Talia when they were juniors. So he's he's becoming a, a bit more of a late developer. But as we've seen in our team this year, if you've got depth, it puts pressure on the top team. Everybody has to perform, otherwise they know they're going out. 
Hardigan still hasn't played 50 games. He's going to be one of the best no. defenders in the league. And and to think about trading him out just because you're trading another keeper's player and it is ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. And it's ridiculous to yeah. suggest also they can't play on the same field. But, Peter, you don't have to trade him out because um, the, the reason I raise it is because you, the, the debate is not so much, uh, in my mind, anything like that at all because you do you keep Hardigan. But we don't have to give anything to get Hurley if if he's uh, if we are the club that he'd like to go to. Um, he because of what happened with Essendon, he he's a free agent, and uh, so, so you don't have to give up any draft picks. You don't have to give up any players. And... Oh, absolutely, Macca. No question at all. You you go a hundred miles an hour at him. You get him under any circumstances. You know, in that situation where he's a you know potentially a free agent, absolutely, you you go a hundred miles an hour at him. He's a great player. Well, he, well, he is. That, that's the situation. His his situation is that um, he's uh, he's dark on Essendon for what's happened to him. Um, he doesn't know where he hasn't made his mind up yet. Well, that's the public version. Though whether he's going to stay with Essendon or whether he's going to move on to another club, but uh, he's also reported as having said that if he does go to another club, it'll be outside of Victoria, and that doesn't leave many. Uh, appropriate clubs that uh, for his services, and I do know, as a matter of fact, that Adelaide are going very hard at him. So um, my point was is that yes, you get the advantage of not having to give up anything to get him, and I'd love to have him in the side, but he's got to take up a slice of the salary cap. And if you had, if you look at our twenty-two, our best twenty-two along the lines of what you were talking about, Peter, you'd come up with the conclusion that what we really need is a very sharp, fast midfielder. But I, I think what we came to the conclusion on Sunday when we discussed this a little bit, Peter, was if, as you just said, if there's a guy of his talent available and he's interested in coming to you, you grab him with both hands. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a 2015 All-Australian centre-half back. Jeez. Yeah, exactly. And in terms of midfielders, I, midfielders are something we have got a bit of. So... Um, we've got a bit of currency in terms of the trade table. Not that I think there'll be many top-flight midfielders available for us on the trade table. Um, the ones that seem likely to move seem destined for other other uh, other parts of the nation. Um, but we do have the capacity to move some of our mid-tier midfielders on. You know, Camillus Yeoman would be welcomed at a couple of clubs. Um, you know, there's a couple of others there, maybe not Mitchie Grigg, but we've got one or two that um, would be able to make way if we did get another Top Gun midfielder in. And, I, you know, it's one of the reasons I reckon they're not throwing 750 at JJ. We've got to still have some cap space, surely, at the moment. Well, I'm hoping that they're uh, saving a chunk of it for Hurley. I'm pleased... Macca, if you know a little bit about that, then that, that's fantastic. And I'm glad that we're doing all we can to get him because, I mean, and also, I mean, further to what you said, Nikki, you know, if you do look at it from a depth perspective, I mean, we've got very, very little. I mean, if any, if any key position player went down now, it's basically Andy Otten to yeah. come in to play yeah. back or forward. And, and, and that's, and really that's the, Andy Otten is about the extent of our key position cover. Yeah, so we spoke we're about really, that on really, uh... Playing Russian roulette there. Yeah, we spoke about that on Sunday night, Pete. That uh, one of our two KPDs goes down, and we're in a bit of strife against the the taller teams. Um, and we saw how vulnerable we can be when we didn't pick Hardigan in round one. You know, so um, you're right, and that's that's why I reckon there's it's a no brainer, and I think we're all agreed it's a no brainer. You go after Hurley, and um, you sort out sort out the logistics uh, later. You just get him first. It's a no. It's a no-brainer, and I think that probably everyone agrees with that. But I, where the arguments were certainly today and last night were that I remain of the view, and I still am of the view that there is absolutely no reason that if he came into the side, that you would have to drop Hardigan. That's not an automatic thing, as some people seem to suggest. That um, Hurley comes in, that Hardigan goes out. I don't think Hurley is a similar type of player to Hardigan or Talia. In his 2015 All Australian year, um, Hurley averaged 22 possessions a game and six uh, rebound 50s, uh, as well as, as going forward. He's a running, attacking, offensive defender. 
He played on, if you look at, at through his 2015 season, he played on any anyone from Franklin to Lindsay Thomas to Membry, who's 188. He played on a very, very versatile player. Yeah. And look at the defence as it as it stands now. That to me, it's a very very simple move of Ch- of Cheney would come out. We're not playing football in 1962 where everyone takes a player. You know, um, you have people, you have zones, you have people rotating around, you have seven defenders rotating through, and you know, there's, to me, there's absolutely no reason that Hurley can't play in the same back line. As Lever, um, Talia, and Hardigan. That's and, that, and, and you know I, I remain by that. Uh, yeah. I'm happy. I would certainly be happy with that. Yep. Yep. Don't disagree at all, Pete. Consensus. Um, I, I feel a bit deflated now. I was ready for a big stout. <laughs> yeah, the gloves on, and we're all going. Yeah, you're pretty right. <laughs> Particularly because I, I had a go at you at the start, going, "No, no, no, you're wrong." <laughs> Well, you but you're wrong of, on a small part of it. You do a bit of shadow boxing on your own there, Pete. Yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm just, yeah, boxing with myself. <laughs> as, as long as you win the bout, you're fine. I was so fired up. <laughs> I was ready to rumble. You've all bloody taken the wind out of my sails, you mongrels. Oh, you're full of shit, Pete. What are you talking about? I don't understand how you could even say that. Is that better? Is that oh, what you were looking idea. for? <laughs> yeah, that'll do. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> do we want to talk well, about North Melbourne? Oh, you got more. Just, just a little quick, just very quick thing regarding contract talks. So there's somebody on the board who does have some quite good links with the club, and they've been told that JJ has signed. Um, they weren't told amounts or years, but over the weekend, most of the media reported it was at the five fifty mark and four years. But the other interesting thing was Tom Mitchell's manager just saying, well, okay, talks are off, didn't he? So is he headed to Carlton? Yeah, he'll be a blue boy. Mm, interesting. Which is interesting considering a few years ago he knocked them back when they actually offered him more money than what Sydney did. Yeah, I'd love to get a hold of somebody like a Mitchell because he he is one of the most rugged inside midfielders I've seen, but he can also play outside as well. Yeah, he's a bit of a gun. Absolute gun, yeah. Any other any other I team he would have broken into that midfield twelve months ago. Well we're where we're stashing our cash I'm sure I've got no doubt we're out there somewhere and uh certainly obviously from what Macca said Hurley, but you know, possibly we're in the market there as well. Uh, you know, I mean who would know? But uh, you certainly hope we're out there chasing someone. Yep, and the other news, of course, is that uh, the Crow Eaters won the under-18s, uh, which was uh, uh, a pretty solid effort, even though they went down to Vic Metro in, in, at last gasp uh, by three points, but another pretty good uh, result for the SA boys. Yeah, I watched that. Uh, it cost me a bit of sleep because it was on pretty late. Um, but uh, I was very interested in watching young Jarman to see what, what you know what I thought of him and... Um, I, I can't see him being better than a second rounder, maybe even a third rounder. I mean, he's a um, he's good round goals and he's a good team orientated player, but he's he's not a star. He's a he's certainly a, he's got ability, but he's not a star. Yeah, going to be interesting to see what happens with that, and and with who he picks. I think, well, you know, I think he, well, he's got his family here in South Australia, so you'd think that logically he, that would be his first choice, but it might also be who's the most interested in him. Well, I know that if his mum has it, has her way, he'll be going <laughs> nowhere staying. else but here. Uh, Sue doesn't want her boy to go over to uh, Victoria. Absolutely not. I don't think uh, Darren cares quite so much. Um, he's obviously got close ties with both clubs, but... Um, yeah, if if mum gets away, then he's not going anywhere. But you're right, Nick. It depends on, or whoever said that, it depends on who wants him the most. Macca. Um, you know, he kicked three in the last game, I think, Macca. And, uh, like, he looked pretty smooth. Sometimes it's difficult to gauge just out of the one carnival. And you've got to look over his uh, his form over the season. Um, and he's he's put together a reasonable, uh, a reasonable bunch of games so far. So 
I reckon he's a solid second rounder at the moment. Well, he would be a very handy replacement long term for any bets. You know, big, um, a forward pocket who can also do a bit of uh, work around the, uh, the field and uh, as a midfielder. Um, but uh, I, I suppose I'm being very harsh because I expected more because of who his dad is. But I um, know oh he's certainly worth getting. But it's a question of how far should we go in the bid. Yeah. Anything else, Nick? No, that's all. Unless we want to do the cockwomble. I was going to say, Phoenix, the... have you got any music there, mate? That you need? To, have you got queued up any music you want us to? I've got take so much music. I, I assume we're going to talk a little bit about the North Melbourne game, are we? Do you want to yeah, do that, so Pete? Yes, can have his say. Because I know you feel left out, mate, because you weren't there on Sunday night. Yeah, look, I, I, um, I was at the game on Thursday <laughs> night. Hey, whoa, and, whoa, um... whoa, wait a minute. Jeez. Jeez, <laughs> we're sharing this tonight. I'm just going to put you on mute, Pete, and play the highlights. All right. <laughs> the last the last 24 hours has, has got me pretty aggressive. I have to say. Fired up. And then kicks one of the goals of the year. Review completed. The score is behind. It's touched. So there's the end of the goal of the year. Lear takes them on. A couple of tackles. Sloan can't quite. Quick kick away by Atkins, and that's a second very good kick by Atkins. Not quite as spectacular as the last one, but they've opened it up. Cameron now Walker's on, and Tex might load this up. Jenkins is running hard. Walker caresses it, wants it to roll on. Lynch is running hard. He'll get there first. It's a goal. It was a long time coming. It started with Atkins in the back pocket. Gibson, Del Santo, little one, DeMont. Did well initially, then gave it up to Atkins. Bought to handle the leech. Here's a chance for Douglas. The Crows, they get their second. Douglas gets his first. That's a strong mark, but disappointing for North. First season player. Brother, of course, very impressive at West Coast. He struck it so well. It's a great goal. Beautiful kick. Walker knocks it down. Lynch, the beneficiary. Give to McGovern. Pulls the kick. Clever in the end. Well done. Back to Walker. And Jenkins charging a one-on-one contest. Ruse defenders getting back. The skipper, he's gone long and strong. Well done, Tex. He's got his second. Jacobs and Goldstein. Well done, Goldstein. DeMont out the back. Harry kick. Laird goes back with a flight. Courageous from Laird. Brilliant. Small man against Brown, who's so much bigger. Never flinched. Back for Judas Renage. Atkins again with a beautiful move to full forward. McGovern. Bits brilliant. Wonderful, what a goal. Magic, that is. McKay bending the back, getting some good distance. That's a very good kick to full forward. Jenkins stayed down. Jenkins gets the goal. His first Adelaide kick away. Bit of a hit and hope. Jacobs flew, knocked down. Well done, Lions. Quickly to Lynch. Fed it back to Matt Crouch. He's been good. Over the top to Laird. Now inside 50. Out the back, lurking about the place. Cameron, so too. Atkins. To Cameron, to Atkins, open goal, Beckins, throws out to a 20-point lead. Red crowd's getting better and better as this game goes on. Terrific tackle from Thompson, and then Matt Crouch kicks his second and ices the game. See, now, wasn't that worth waiting for, Pete? Mate, I can see why you wanted that on. It was a very, very uh, nice bit of work. Uh, very, very impressive. I've got to and say my, something, my... though, and this is an early nomination for Cockwomble of the Week, or Cockwombling Numna of the Week, I should say. Obviously, I, I cut that audio out of the AFL highlights and I just get rid of the North Melbourne ones because who cares? How this next little piece wasn't included in the highlights is beyond me. Just have a listen. Wood going back. Well done by Atkins and a fine first quarter. Gee, Lever again, just uh, like a magician. And then a beautiful kick to McGovern. That's some fine play. Now McGovern, that is a colossal kick into the centre of the ground to Jacobs. Jacobs to the hard-running Lynch, who stops and can go back and maybe kick a second goal. Jakey Lever's candy was the highlight of the match for Oh, yeah. That was just the most beautiful thing to watch. And how they didn't make the highlight real... Whoever's doing the editing at AFL House needs to, or AFL Media needs to have a good, long, hard look at themselves. Yeah, well, it did make it on bounce. 
Yeah, well, I loved it. He, somehow he's got two blokes to run into each other while he runs away. Yeah, it was hilarious. <laughs> oh, that anyway. was so fun because Mason Ward was down for a while. Now, Pete, you yeah, were saying you went to the game. Um, look, I, I went to the game on Thursday night. A uh, uh, big shout-out to the weather people who forecast Armageddon and um, just didn't happen. It was actually a pretty decent night to be at the football. A bit of bit of a cool breeze, but and it got a bit cool as the night went on. But um, A bit of a was, cool breeze? Overall, it was pretty good to be there and, um, and certainly wasn't, wasn't that uncomfortable. Um, but... Really enjoyed the game and uh, just amazing. I mean, we just really, um, absolutely gave that team an, a good old-fashioned thrashing, really, around the ground. I mean, I know that it won't show on the scoreboard, although 33 points is a decent win. But, gee, that, that could just as easily have been a 70 or 80-point win. Um, uh, they're a pretty impressive team at the moment, our lot. They, they play very, very good football, and really, let's be honest, they destroyed North Melbourne, who were top of the t- top of the table. And yet they were in it until the last quarter, um, which is oh, it was frustrating as hell. Yeah. It was absolutely frustrating as hell that they were still in that game, you know. Um, and um, I mean, you know, if you're a person that had a bit of money on one to thirty-nine, um, no, not mentioning any names, me, um, you know, you were very comfortable. <laughs> Fairly comfortable about ten minutes in the last quarter, but then all of a sudden, you know, we just exploded. But um, yeah, look, I just it was very, very frustrating that they were still in the game. It really, it really was. And in talking about in terms of general play, they just they just weren't. You know, they were absolutely slaughtered. But you know, that's walking out of the ground after the game. I could certainly um, see why it was happening because the breeze was, well, the wind was really quite strong, and it was and it was quite fluky. Yeah, a couple of outstanding uh, performances in that game, and Rory Sloan, uh, he's been getting a lot of write-ups since that game, but and uh, a lot of appreciation for his, for his efforts in that game, and with 30 disposals and 13 tackles, he, I, I thought, he, he really, I know that Walker does a great job as captaincy, but Rory Sloan is the spiritual leader of Adelaide, in my opinion, the way he, he goes about getting the ball and and puts his body on the line that he almost half kills himself to get the footy, and yet he come, he, he gets crunched, he gets belted, and he gets slammed, and then he gets up and just keeps on going. And, you, you know, he, he was outstanding. Um, Matty Crouch, I thought he sort of uh, crashed through a barrier and he's gone up to another level. And uh, the other one was Rory Acton. I loved his efforts as well. And, and Lever is a, an outstanding backman for a second-year guy. He's only about 19. Yeah, look, good lineup, Macron. I thought Jet, the only one I'd throw into that as well was Sauce. I thought he had a very good game on, on mm. Thursday night as well. Yeah, particularly yeah, he, around he the ground. Did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, in fact, very important. I, mean, I really should have mentioned him because uh, his second half was better than his first half, and in he uh, started to not only neutralise but on occasion beat Goldie and. Uh, we started to take that ball out of centre with ease in the second half, and uh, that was in no small means due to Jacobs as well. A point that I made um, on Friday, something that I was really impressed with, is the way that um, Mitch McGovern is getting down the ground and just getting um, into position where we get, we've got that get-out defensive kick, which is coming 50 metres, whether it be a kick-out from a point um, and I noticed he did it in West, against West Coast a couple of times, where he's taking a big contested market around our half back area. He really, and he, you know that pack is drawn in, but he's able to take a big contested mark, stay on his feet, release very very quickly before the pack has a chance to release and zones have times to set, um, and um, and we we can scoot off down the ground very very quickly. And a couple of times it resulted in goals, and it's an incredibly invaluable thing. Um, to have somebody taking that contested mark at around about our defensive 50 or close to the uh, centre square. And there was silence. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's because there were the three of us and and, um, apart from Peter and we've kind of talked about it a little bit and he's covered most of those points. But the one thing I found um, quite interesting is Somebody said that our last three last quarters, we've only conceded, what is it, one goal nine? So I'm not sure about that, but no, I, I know only, definitely we... I think it's only nine points can, in total, Nikki. 
No, because um, Perry kicked a goal in the last North Melbourne. They only kicked one one. West Coast didn't score. What was the Petri. other one? Petrie, you mean? Yeah, Petrie. The old, old dude. Yeah, the token Look, one. Sorry, if we, I mean, if we, if you, if we've covered most of the North game, should we just quickly hop on to the uh, having a quick look at at the Melbourne game before we finish off with uh, the Cockwomble Award? Um, what are people? I think we'll belt Melbourne on the weekend, but uh, what does everybody think? I was getting yeah, worried a lot of about other Melbourne. Are, yeah, but see, for the main thing is that it's the date of the game and what that game means mm. to the team. It's going to be so. I think Melbourne really need to watch out because we've seen what our team are doing this year in terms of galvanising and, and making sure that particular games that they're setting themselves for. We and we know early in the years, so like the Western Bulldogs and the Hawthorne ones, it didn't quite come off. But now it's the, that the switch seems to have been flicked and it's, yeah, I think being the anniversary of Phil's death, Melbourne really need to watch out. This could get ugly. Yeah, I think any other time it would be a danger game, uh, as Vardy points out on the chat, but I think you're right. I think the fact of the anniversary, I think it will be on the players' minds. Um, You know, um, there's no danger of us being complacent on this one. Um, But as I I made the title of this episode, time to knuckle down, it really is time to knuckle down for the team now. We've got pretty much every game is winnable uh towards the end of the uh, through to the the end of the season apart from obviously Geelong at skilled which is up in the air um and if the team want to be serious about being a, a grand final contender um they really have to roll out their sleeves and just get the job done continually week in week out and not allow complacency to slip in not only from the point of view of getting wins on the board but percentage is going to be really really important this year um uh, it's so close amongst probably the first six teams um, that we can't afford to slip or or coast to easy, you know, four-goal victories when we should be winning by 10. So certainly this week I think the Walsh factor will, will uh, sort that out. Um, but I think it is an issue that we have struggled with at times in previous seasons um, where we've only just done what we've had to do and I think we really need to... Um, to get through to the finals, uh, running teams into the ground when we get the opportunity. I think that. Sorry, Mac. I think that there is. Um, I think something pretty pretty deep that's driving this team, and I say that genuinely. I really do believe that events of last year um, team, and I think that as Tech said in his presser, they are in the driver's seat. They know they're in the driver's seat, and uh, I, I don't expect. I honestly don't expect any slip-ups. I think that the line of 20... I think it was at the moment the line sitting at about 21.5. I think that's very, very kind. I think we'll demolish Melbourne by a minimum of probably, you know, five or six goals. Um, my only change, I think, would be... I think I might... Um, I'd probably... My only omission from the side from last week would be Cheney and I'd replace him with Hurley. I think that's the only change that I'd be making this week. <laughs> so mid-season draft, you're all for... <laughs> the other thing to me is about this game is what's Melbourne's defence? Can they actually counter our forward line? That they do have a good midfield, so we are going to have to work and and work hard to make sure we get our fair share of the ball and, and restrict them. But I don't think they've got a defence that actually can really go with our forward line. No, and they could go for us. They could go with us for three and a half quarters, Nikki, and um, you know they they have to sort of you know shut their eyes for three minutes and they'll be five goals down. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think most of the points have been covered. One of the interesting uh, individual performances of the game will be Bernie Vince. And uh, you'd have to think that he'd probably play on Rory like he did on Deja that time. Uh, And that'll be a bit of a highlight, an individual highlight of the game. And considering Rory goes out to the wing at times, that's going to be a bit interesting. Yeah, Danger's an easy target because he's always in and under. Um, well, he certainly was last year when he was playing for us. He's, he's developed a little bit more outside this year for the Cats. But certainly last year, it was quite easy for Bernie to, to blanket him because, you know, when you're looking for Paddy, he's all, he was always at the bottom of the pack. So 
Rory plays a bit differently, and I, I don't know whether Bernie's got the uh, got the capacity to keep up with him because Rory'd have to be one of the top five gut runners in the comp, I'd imagine. Yeah, I agree with that. But it'll be interesting to see. I, it's something that I expect anyhow that Bernie will go to him um, uh, because he did a very good job on Danger, I thought. But you're quite right. There is a big difference between the two in the sense that Rory can Rory can play outside and inside and uh, uh, we might find that he might deliberately play a little bit more outside and leave the, the inside grunt to Tomo and uh, a young Crouchy. And the Crouchers. There's two of them. Yeah, well, I, I guess I keep forgetting, Brad, because a match becomes the more senior one in terms of getting the ball. Well, and Sloane is uh, not as much of a princess as Danger was either, so... I think Bernie could rush yeah. him up, and and Rory just uh, probably like, give him a laugh and and go and get the agate. You know, I don't I don't think he's going to fire up like Danger did last year. No, no we're, Vince, we're, we're, we're probably all agreed. Vince I was think on. That... Yeah, Vince was just on AFL tonight. Tonight, um, they did ask him a little bit about the game because he did catch up with Tex over the weekend, and what he said out of it was that um, he and Tex basically had a conversation about who's going to bump who first. Fair enough. Yeah, I reckon we're, I reckon we're pretty comfortable right. this week. Yeah, I think we're all agree we'll get over the line this week. Who hey, wants the end of the show this uh, for this week? And, uh, Nikki, are you able to just... Uh, Pete, you're going to burn me again. With the, uh, Pete, you're going to burn me again. Play my music. No, I'm not going to burn you this time. We've got the cock bomb with the weed board. <laughs> Mongrel? Gold. <laughs> <laughs> well, Come there on, actually Pete. were quite a, there, there were quite a few very good nominations this week. We have actually talked a little bit in depth about one of them, which did get the most number of votes in the poll, which was the AFL review system. Um, so basically, the AFL's created something and then not actually really thought about how it's going to work and continually changing the goalposts and not telling the umpires how they've changed the goalposts. But the other nominations included the Hawthorne Guernsey designer for consistent creation of some of the most horrible things ever we've seen because that was just awful on the weekend. I know some people said they like it because it was better than other ones, but that's a very low bar they had to get over. Well, aren't um, the Hawks usually poo and weasel? Now it just looked like poo yeah, and poo some weeds. sort of uh, – now it was just a poo and a nasty rash of some sort. And the fact is that it was so close to the Swans' colour as well with the red and they had red socks on and Hawthorne had pink socks on and I'm just the, – the little snippets that I saw, I was just like, I'm sorry, AFL, where's the clash? Because there's definitely one going on there. Um, Pete raised it a little bit regarding the, the media or about the bomb and the weather report. It wasn't actually the bomb because if anybody cared to check the weather report in detail, what they would have seen was that for the game time, it was actually going to fine up and it wasn't going to rain. It was going to rain after and it was going to rain just before. So it was actually the media who did most of the weather scaremongering. They there. must have changed that about two minutes before the match because I read all afternoon no. that there was going to be a second front come through about 4.30. Yeah, That's absolutely and it was my going to clear up by this six. week. And my, my nomination is definitely, definitely the weather person. They get my nomination and my vote. Without no. any competition at all, they well, are. Well, it's my award. So. wombles because because <laughs> they did the same thing. They did the same thing with the St Kilda game. The St Kilda game was going to be wet and yeah. um, not a, not a, not a touch of rain, and then they've done it a second time where you know I mean they were you know they were people bloody going hey, to sandbags. So that's the media. Hey, I'm with you. It's the no, media, no, no. not the bomb people. Hey, excuse me, I took two kids to the Saints game. Pete, you're absolutely right. I had 17 suitcases full of raincoats. I had <laughs> hot water bottles. I had electric blankets. I had some sort of a bomb shelter in case. And it was one of the finest days you'd ever bloody want to want to see. It, it finished raining about ten minutes before I got to the ground, and it didn't rain for the rest of the day. And I yeah, all I got was a sore bloody shoulder. I'm with the other boys, Nicky. Sorry, you lot need to learn how to read a radar. <laughs> Basically, hey, do you know this is a true story? <laughs> this is a true story. I actually did work experience as a kid at the Bureau of Meteorology and got 
a weather map published in the advertiser. So blow that out your backside. <laughs> that's that's very nice. I'm the daughter of a geographer whose specialty was weather. Um, <laughs> one of his schools actually well, set up an entire yeah, weather so station. We so. you've, got a conf- you've got a conflict of interest in handing out the award this that's week. That's right. You, you should abstain. You should, have, right. you should remove yourself. I don't have a conflict of interest because I don't know anybody at the bomb <laughs> um, who are actually incidentally one of the best weather um, oh my people God, in, come the, on. in the world. Right, no, they are. I'm going to move on to the next one. To the bomb. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> the, the next one is also once against the media for ignoring the Saints umpiring issues in favour of promoting Geelong. Um, Hawkins tripped over his own bloody feet. I'm sorry. Being a clumsy does not entitle you to having a free kick. Go he didn't your get way. One. He didn't get I know, one. but they were all complaining that he should have because he got tripped. Yes, so over who, his own so, feet. So who are you nominating? Cat supporters. The, the media. Oh, the no, media. the media still in that gone. respect. No, no, still gone. <laughs> no, Chris Scott acted like a bear with a sore head over that. He did. Oh, I did him. Um, right, we'll get, we're, we're just about out of time, Nikki. Have you got all your nominations in? But it's I the think bomb. we can all say bomb. It's not the bomb. No, yeah, it's, it's actually bomb. the AFL review system. It's the AFL review system because that is the, the thing that we did talk about the most earlier. And it's something they really need to fix. Have you, Nikki? Have I'm you heard about? Have you heard about the Crowcast review system? <laughs> Too bad, it's my award. Rightio, so it goes to the uh, the uh, there we go. The cock wombling num nut of the week award goes to the AFL review system. All right, well, that, we're just about out of time. Uh, it's been a really really good chat tonight. I've really enjoyed myself. Really good to catch up with you guys again. Haven't had a chat for a couple of weeks, and so. Just remembering how much I enjoyed um, coming on here and having a chat. So it's been great to uh, get through a Tuesday night live. Phoenix, mate, thanks very much, as always, for all of your technical support. We could not do this Crowcast without you. Thanks so, for supporting uh, thanks me and my efforts, Pete, too. That was great. And I know how bad I was. <laughs> I, 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 need to get, I need to take some calming pills when I get off because uh, I'm, I've been a little bit edgy the last uh, couple, of, uh, couple of days. Oh, look, so I should I will... give you a running sheet, mate. It's all good. <laughs> Maka, thanks very much for your help tonight, mate. Pleasure to be here. To all those who listened out there, thanks so much. We really appreciate your support. And um, also thanks to those who messaged in and gave us a little bit of uh, fodder to work with tonight. Uh, as always, thanks very much for joining us, everybody, on Tuesday Night Live. And we'll and catch Nikki. you next time. And, and no and thanks Nikki. to me because I wouldn't let him win the cockwomble. <laughs> no, no, sorry. No, sorry, no thanks to you, Nikki. That's it. No review system there. <laughs> Hang on no, a No, thanks, Nikki. Great to have you on as always. And thanks yeah. for battling through your cold. Hang on, I've just local with Nikki. So the winner of the Cockwomble of the Week goes to... The Bomb. Bomb. Um.